Welcome to No Password Required, a monthly conversation that introduces you to some of the top talent in the world of cybersecurity. Hello and welcome to No Password Required, a podcast dedicated to exploring the minds and personalities that make up the field of cybersecurity. I'm your host, Ernie Ferraresso, and with me, as always, Jack Clabby, a cybersecurity attorney at Carlton Fields, PA in Tampa, and Pablo Torres, a senior cloud security engineer at Second Watch. On the podcast today, we will chat with Kaylee Melton, the vice president of security awareness company Courseware and Labs at Nobefore. Kaylee's journey into cybersecurity started as a childhood deep dive into the internet where she searched for like-minded weirdos. These days, she celebrates her love for digital geekery by spending her work time on the research and development of cutting-edge and innovative training solutions. Kaylee, we look forward to a great conversation. But first, hello to my co-hosts, Jack and Pablo. Gentlemen, good day. Hey, good day, Ernie. Pablo, how are you? Oh, it has been a great day. Uh, Jack, Ernie, uh, I'm excited to talk about some hacking culture and talk about this uh, article that we have queued up. Um, Boys, where, where do you want to take it? I'm with you, Pablo. I could sense the stress in your voice and in Ernie's voice because uh, Neopets. Yes, Neopets I'm not going to lie. How dare they? How yes. dare they? That is a cultural icon right there. I mean, as, as both of you know, um, this, this goes back way, way back. I'm not trying to date anyone right now, but it goes back way, way, way back. There's people who've played for 15 years on Neopets, and now they have to be worried about their information being compromised and out there being sold for pennies on the dollar. That sucks. So we got to worry about their internet, uh, their th their information, and their Neopet. Then I mean, Neopets. that kind of stress. That kind yeah. of stress. You can't, you know, you can't bear that on on people. Come on. So so the all right. So the public reporting on the on the on the uh, hack, we'll call it that, it was that it was 69 million. Neopet users. First off, that's astonishing. That that's exactly <laughs> how many of those are like one person with 5,000 accounts? You know, I don't, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. But 69 million. Um, and this is again public reporting. So it wasn't on the surface level, not that bad. So it didn't look like it was anything. It was, you know, names, usernames, birthdays, zip codes. You know, in some many states, that's not even personal information. But here's where it gets more challenging. So the company released a statement that said, we strongly recommend you change your Neopets password. Um, and sometimes companies do that. Again, we don't know if that happened here, where if username and password pairs have been compromised. And Pablo, like you were saying, I mean, that's the health of the Neopet. If yeah, that's, that's in the there. Health. Yeah, if someone's in there, that's the health of the Neopet. I mean, are they going to feed the Neopet? Are they going to take care of it? Are they going to properly give it the, the nice TLC that it deserves? Um, that Neopet hostage is right, right. What that is atrocious. What type of world are we living in today? Um, <laughs> what kind of sick individual? And I, a I Neopet just, hostage. I have to, I have to beg the question. I mean, let's say the proverbial cat enthusiast. We won't call him by the by the normal terminology. The proverbial cat enthusiast that has maybe ten or fifteen or twenty different accounts. What are they going to do? Are they going to change all their passwords on the ten to fifteen different accounts that they have? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, this is an example of, uh, I guess it's not being held ransom per se on an individual account basis. At least that's what, that's the fear, obviously, is that an individual user's Neopet account that goes back 15 years of, of active use and, and the bad guy's keeping that one, that one active, active use. That sounds, that sounds like something that somebody needs to go I, get some treatment a, for. I think it's not quite Tamagotchi level. 
I think Neopets, you, you, there's things you can automate. Whereas I, I, because I first saw this, I was thinking, how is Neopets different from Tamagotchi? And then I was reminded that they both are spelled and pronounced differently and they're not the same. Now Neopet that's classic is, right there. That's, that's excellent. Virtual. <laughs> Thanks for that, right? <laughs> but I think, I think the bad guy's uh, MO here was he, he took the whole, in the entire um, set, uh, yeah. all, all the personal information and was selling it for four, four Bitcoins. So yeah. I guess you can get everything for four Bitcoins. It wasn't an individual ransomware issue, but that, that's, that's um, you know, if a company like this ha has this incident, it's not so much losing the trust. You know, that's not great, but you can come back from it. It's individual users. Let's say there's very little risk of, I don't know, but let's say there's very little risk that any of this personal information that was taken could be used to commit identity fraud. Okay, like, you know, usernames, email addresses, things like that aren't that big a deal, typically. Um, it's, the, it's the lost access. If it was credential pairs to, the, to this particular, I keep wanting to say Tamagotchi, but it's Neopets. If you lose access to it, that's where the real um, sort of crisis hits in because it's, it's something that you really wanted that you can't use anymore. And that really stinks. It's like if I lost all my playlists, right, in Amazon Prime or something like that, right? I'm not saying that that has ever happened, but if you lose like work product, that's different from losing your social security number. I, I, I see where you're coming from and I understand that. Um, I'm gonna flip this on its head. And um, I, I think the ask of $94,000, and this is me putting my professional hat on. Um, I'm, I'm looking at this and I mean, when it comes to the personal identifiable information, uh, you have tools out there, I'm not gonna name them, but you have tools out there where you can input these email addresses and then you can go ahead and scan the open internet across a whole bunch of different domains that could potentially use that email address. And if it shows that there's a confirmed match and it's a pair, that allows the attack surface area for whoever that target is with that specific email address to become that much more narrow um, to where now the individual can just get a some sort of brute force password whatever they want to use thing, yeah. yeah spray attack it throw a dictionary at it and then combine the personal uh, identifiable information such as the the birthdays the addresses uh what else the customer data, zip codes zip codes yeah. yeah all of that imagine imagine if uh I, I i the hypothetical would be about myself i'm not going to do a hypothetical about someone else but uh imagine myself personally using a password where I'm, I'm involving not only my zip code, but I'm also involving my birthday. I'm involving my, my, uh, my uh, uh, Neopets name. And uh, it, it all just, it's something that allows me to remember my access, but then you have my email, you have my password. Maybe I use that password in other locations. It's my bank password. It's, it's my 401k password. It, it, it's part of my insurance and my home mortgage, like password, like that, that just becomes havoc. Um, and and, yeah. it, and it's easy to do. I'm not saying that it's something difficult. I mean, it's open source intelligence. Um, you can find the domains. And then from there, you find the appropriate tools. You run a Kali Linux distribute or a Kali Linux box. And uh, once, once you spin that up, I mean, the sky's the limit. Yeah. The one thing I think was interesting as I was reading the article, um, you also got, if you, if you, if you so desire for the low, low price of four Bitcoin, um, <laughs> you get all access basically to the, to the Neopets uh, their source code and some of their databases. So, um, you know, I, I don't know at this point, but that in there it was saying that that also lets you to go in and say if you were a Neopet user, I don't know if 94 grand is worth it, but you could go in there and basically unlock all your Neopets capabilities. And if there's anything on there, you know, 
purchasing any upgrades and all that you can you could do that um, oh yeah yeah that that sounds totally doable i mean as a way to monetize um being a nefarious actor and again i'm speaking hypothetically here but being a nefarious actor they're going to take that source code if they have any sort of uh, pci information in there and they can redirect all the payment uh, from the cards to a rogue destination cool you're just you're just getting paid nonstop. if yeah. you can sell those uh upgrades and whatever on these accounts for let's say 50 percent markdowns um, and you put them on eBay, get paid in gift cards and go ahead and just like do your thing. All right, man, you just, you just made a killing because you didn't have to pay for any of this. Um, that, go ahead. Because the other part is, is interesting is that the, uh, these, uh, I guess it's Tartar X, uh, they just went and posted it right for sale. They didn't even go back to uh, the Neopets and say, hey, uh, listen, uh, I'll give this back to you. They just, they just hung it up for, they just hung a shingle out and said, hey, uh, swing yeah. by and pick up your your uh, neopets for like I said only so they, four bitcoin ninety four yeah. grand in today's prices yeah they didn't they didn't seek to or at least there was no public reporting on them seeking yeah. to uh, uh, hold any individual accounts hostage yeah that yeah. It, so, it was really just you know just a bad guys loot a place and then um, fence it immediately yeah, exactly they had to yeah. find a fence for this thing and, <laughs> without uh, realizing yeah. that they were holding something that may have had sentimental value uh, right, one, right. one way or the other yeah. so i i can't think of another one that, that kind of aligns that, that aligns like this but it, i think it does indicate that uh, you know it's not always the data you have it's also what the data you have allows you to access and yeah. here there's no indication it was credit card numbers there was no indication it was social security numbers any kind of payment card stuff it's it's it, it may be based on sort of the, the company's statement. It may have been username and password pairs to access these accounts. Yeah. And so we've yeah, seen yeah. some, you know, like um, compromises of, of a retail company's rewards card system, right? Like there's really not mm -hmm. much in a rewards card system, but if you gain access to the password for the reward card systems, like Pablo, you were saying, and people reuse passwords, suddenly, you know, a database of 60, 60, however many million, 69 million is pretty darn useful because within that 69 million, there's going to be some people, if, again, if it does include password and credential pairs, it's going to be useful at a churning attack or some other kind of attack against another target. Yeah. So I guess the, uh, the bottom line on this is, uh, like they said, uh, don't reuse your password. Don't, don't use, reuse your password. Don't reuse your password and use a password manager. Jack, Jack, to your statement, um, think about the conversion rate when we're when we're talking about 69 million different uh, user credentials. And if we're talking about a very basic standard 2% conversion rate, we're looking at 1.38 million different users credentials that could potentially be accessed. That's 1.3 million individuals that could be compromised outside of the, the Neopet world. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I always use elaborate passwords from the world of Disney's Tarzan. <laughs> and there you go nobody nobody really saw that movie so i'm gonna that's no one can you name a character other than tarzan i'm, I'm, I'm gonna go change your passwords for you right now <laughs> i was gonna say doesn't isn't jane in there oh there's gotta right, be no, a jane changing right? you I'm quickly in. changing yeah. you quickly that's it jack it's gonna be the aristocats now defcon 5 defcon 5 go change your passwords yes. Okay, and that being said, we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we're going to talk to Kaylee about the Craigslist ad that changed her life. Looking for more no password required content? Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at No Password Pod. Welcome back. Our guest is Kaylee Melton, 
the vice president of security awareness company courseware and labs at know before kaylee welcome to no password required thank you i'm happy to be here so tell me a little bit about what the, the security awareness company courseware uh, what is that? What does it do? And, and labs? I mean, uh, you know, I'm thinking, you know, do you wear like a lab coat and, uh, you know, that type of thing walking around the office or? No, it's not that cool, um, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> but uh, it is still pretty cool um, and a mouthful. Uh, basically, what happened, I worked with the security awareness company uh, founded by Wynn Schwartow for several years. Friend of the and, show, by the way, friend of the show. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he, we, we were able to grow the security awareness company to the point that no before became interested in acquiring us. So basically SAC is the short way of saying security awareness company. SAC courseware and labs is our little division within no before as a whole post acquisition. And uh, we create the content for our training platform, um, courses, newsletters, videos, any type of training that you can imagine, we've probably made it and uploaded it into the no before training platform. And the labs part is definitely the most exciting part, uh, but unfortunately it's a bit like Fight Club and I can't really talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, basically, we do all the innovative experimenting and pilot products and things like that. So, like, no before is, I mean, it's a brand, major brand name. Everybody knows it in the cybersecurity community, and and I think a lot of folks would want to know how to how to work there. But but it sounds like your path was work for another company that got on their radar. Yeah. How did, how did you come to like, tell us a little bit about your career path, how you came to SAC kind of um, how you got interested in this stuff. Yeah. So in middle school, all the way back in middle school, my uncle was getting his certification. I don't remember exactly what it was, um, but he wanted to start a local ISP back in the DSL days <laughs> and a computer repair business. And I helped him out actually in getting that certification by taking some of the networking courses for him. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he, how did he do on those courses? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, pretty well, I guess. <laughs> he passed. That's yeah. awesome. He passed. Um, yeah. And from there, we were both kind of getting into the computer stuff together, I guess you could say. Um, he was the first one to share an EXE that I could send to my friends and open their disk drive on their computer and pop up funny messages and things like that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where my love of computers and being a total geek <laughs> came from. Um, yeah, and then in high school, uh, I, I kept just playing with them because computers were just, I don't know, it was new and um, so much fun. It was a great escape from life as well. Uh, easy to find other weirdos like me, um, which wasn't so easy growing up in the Appalachian Mountains to find weirdos like me. So in high school, I tested out of my typing class <laughs> my first day as a freshman That's and awesome. 
I was going to say <laughs> typing class. I remember that. I, I was yep. most important class I took in high school. Yeah, I, I can honestly to this day. And the thing was, I can remember. I still remember it. Uh, I can't remember my type my typing teacher, but I can remember it was Jan has to go to the city lake. And if you got a certain number on that one, that was how you passed out of it. And so, by God, I could crank that thing out. I don't, I don't know how many words, but I just remember Jan has to go to the city lake. So what do they do, Katie? What do they do? All right, so you test, you, you test out of that. What do they do with you? Uh, so, so from there, I elected to go into an A plus class. Um, so, uh, just kind of following that networking vein. Um, I was put into a class with a lot of juniors. Uh, it was kind of an advanced class, I guess, and was definitely one of the only women in the class. Also definitely the only women who took it serious or the only woman who took it seriously. Okay. Um, but unfortunately, because my computer teacher was sexist, he never learned my real name. He never took me seriously. He never let me go uh, with the guys to set up networks and classrooms and set up tech for movies and things like that. Um, yeah, the, the guys would goof off and share answers on their quizzes. And I was over here like telling them to hush so I could focus. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, even still, um, I was never able to get his respect. And honestly, that was really discouraging. I kind of just left it and kept kind of learning programming through making websites, playing around with design programs, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I went to college. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, dang, you showed him though, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, listen, you don't get to be the vice president of anything just by, by slacking. So, man, you're really good. That's he right. Might man. Be, That's... He might be listening now, but he probably can't get the headphones to work. That's exactly <laughs> correct. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sticking, it, sticking it to the man. That's what yeah, I like to hear. Exactly. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Do you, yeah. So do, do you continue on like a networking path then when you, when you leave high school? What do, you, what do you do next? No. So I just, so I was the first person in my family to go to college and no one encouraged me to go to college in my family. My, the people in school did for sure. Uh, but I decided to go to a college several hours away, um, a self-described bougie college. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, being from the Appalachian Mountains, generational poverty, all sorts of things that we associate with that area are true in a lot of ways. Uh, I was just a fish out of water. It was such a shock to see what life was like outside of my little bubble. And I really struggled to find my footing, to even know what careers I could take after college, okay. um, what classes I might need to take take to get to those careers. So I kind of just decided to major in what I was interested in. <laughs> and that what that happened to be fine art. Um, I was, I'm a classically trained painter. And I in addition minor. to all the other stuff, you're a classically trained painter. That's pretty yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah, classically trained oil painter. That was your um, aunt, you had to do you had to take some 
<laughs> painting classes for her, for her business. <laughs> right. That's exactly. awesome. That was happening at the same time that all this is happening. You're also painting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, and I still do. Uh, but after college, so I'm, I majored in fine art, got a double minor in sociology and religion, and none of those things are marketable <laughs> whatsoever, at least not right out of college with only a bachelor's degree. So I fell back on the geekery that I indulged in in middle school and high school and used my skills in programming websites, which I'd done freelance jobs and things like that. Uh, but yeah, the skills programming websites and uh, using design programs for graphic design in order to get a job. So had the, is there, do you see any, um, you know, I guess crossover between you know, your, your, your art, you know, background and interest and, and, uh, and your work in technology. I mean, that, because it, it's not, um, it's not as unusual as you would think that there's, there's folks with, with that, that blending between the, the, the technical and the artistic. Um, and I'm interested to hear you know, your thoughts on it. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I feel like art, art feels like this faraway thing. Um, I know when I show people drawings and things, they're like, oh, I wish I could draw. I wish I could make art. But art really isn't that hard. <laughs> you know, you just have to do it. Um, and keep doing it and keep practicing it. But it, it, it banks on this creativity that helps fuel the art. Mm -hmm. And I believe that my creativity has been key to doing my job well at, at any point in my career. Um, you know, sometimes of course it's directly related. I started with the security awareness company doing a lot of graphic design layouts, um, putting courses together, things like that. But over time, um, it's just spending so much time fostering and fueling your creativity helps you do critical thinking better. And you can come up with out of the box ways to approach different topics or concepts or solutions that maybe you wouldn't get to if you didn't have that injection of creativity into it. We heard that at some point there's a story about a Craigslist ad. <laughs> can, you, can you share that with us? Maybe, maybe start with why you were looking around there in the first place where this kind of fits in. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, after college, as I said, not many marketable skills for entry-level positions. I had an AmeriCorps job for a year. It paid less than minimum wage, uh, and I was doing layouts and things like that. But ultimately, it wasn't it wasn't what I thought it was going to be, and it wasn't what I wanted to do. So I moved to Nashville, and I just kept applying different places, all sorts of different jobs things that I wanted to do. Um, I hadn't gotten down into like barista at Starbucks yet, <laughs> but I was getting there. And uh, I, I don't know, at some point I was like, maybe I should check Craig, Craigslist because, you know, they post jobs and stuff there. Yeah. Um, of course, knowing, you know, it's Craigslist, the connotation <laughs> of that. <laughs> uh, and I came across this ad for a job 
that seemed honestly too good to be true. It was really snarky. Um, the listing itself was probably two or three pages long. <laughs> and um, it sounded like it was a job that matched the skills I had perfectly. And if the company was anything like this irreverent, in-your-face ad, uh, then I, I felt like it would be something I wanted to explore. So I contacted them, sent in all my job application stuff, and received a call pretty, I think it was the same day. And they said they were interested in interviewing me. Here's the address for our house. <laughs> and <laughs> come at this time. <laughs> it sounds good, right? I, I will yeah, check better, it than out. A, better than a storage unit, not as good as an office building. Somewhere right <laughs> exactly. in the middle. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I didn't, I didn't really think about it. <laughs> Clearly, um, maybe I would have taken someone with me at least to sit in the car. But um, yeah, I pulled up to this place, walked up to the door, knocked, and they let me in. And it was Win Schwartow's house. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have gone in. No one win. That, yeah, yeah, you know, that's exactly. exactly. I yeah would have seen that. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my first interview question, although I didn't realize it was how do you want coffee and how do you like it and i said yes black and he said that's the right answer <laughs> so yeah is craigslist still a way that you that that now that now sac and know before are, are finding talent like yourself or have you guys no. moved on to other okay no definitely not <laughs> We did, though, in the early days of SAC, before we were acquired by Know Before, um, we did use Craigslist to get more people. And interestingly, it kept working. Like the, awesome. the people that we hired along the way, almost all of them are still with, with me now. Well, I, wonder if, I wonder if it's that, um, that underground culture that kind of runs <laughs> underneath there. You know, that's the, the, the I'll call it the... Uh, there's the hidden job market and then there's the, the hidden job market. And maybe that's it. You know, maybe that's it. Sorry. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Right. So in your current role now with what you do, I know you can't tell us too much about the nuts and bolts of, of how it, how it happens, but what for you is the most fulfilling part of your current role? Um, I think the most fulfilling part is seeing my, division like the individual people that make up my division flourish it's so rewarding to help them see their strengths and their talents that maybe they didn't realize they had or didn't have as much confidence in um, and help them grow those evolve them and become leaders in their own right um, get promotions take on new responsibilities that's honestly the most rewarding part. Um, it's also just nice to work for a company that I know is doing something good and necessary that, that the work we do is very important. That definitely helps. On the client side, I mean, do you, do you get exposure to how the clients interact with, with the courseware and then, you know, kind of what, what do the best clients sort of have in common from your perspective? Uh, yeah. So I don't get as much interface with clients as I did before we were acquired. Okay. Uh, 
but I do still get to interact with clients and things like focus groups or feedback, support tickets, uh, customizations to courses, things like that. In my opinion, the, the best clients are open-minded and they have faith that their users can be trained to be different, that their behaviors can change. There's this, um, what would I call it? There's this attitude in our industry that users are basically like naughty children who can never be tamed. <laughs> That's <laughs> and, totally true. That's exactly, <laughs> stop them from touching things. Yeah, exactly. The With their like jammy hands. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I totally understand where that comes from, but I think it's counterintuitive because it's not really that users are users. Users are just humans. And it's not like most infosec professionals really have the best security awareness practices anyway, uh, unless they're uber paranoid. Um, it's, it's just human mistakes. It's human to get busy and to click on a link at a glance on your phone when you're traveling. It's, it's human to want to help someone whose arms are full and is trying to come in the door without a badge. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, so all that to say, the best clients understand that humanity and are willing to work with it rather than, oh, they're just users. Yeah. You know? We had a similar uh one of our uh, one of our previous guests, Rachel Toback, that was she 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 believes that that same uh, that same thing, and it's you know working to shift the narrative from uh, people are the weakest link to people are your first line of defense, and uh, and that's sort of you know I think you're talking that same thing is, is how do you is you know companies that that believe in empowering their people to, rather than you know expecting them to do dumb things it's more like hey they've got to do their job they're going to be busy how do you give them the right tools to be safe and such that's uh... yeah exactly and i think a good um a good program like a security awareness program also makes people understand that the things they're learning apply to their personal lives as well because if they're able to connect it into something that's beneficial for them and for their family and loved ones then it becomes second nature. It's not something you have to learn for the good of the company. You know, it's it's more personal. It's more useful to everyday life. Kayla, I know you're, you know, you're out in the community and, and pretty well known. But can you tell us a little bit about your first microphone in hand sort of speaking engagement? Yes. So I've I've given a lot of webinars and talks and things like that, but my first, as you say, microphone in hand speaking engagement was just this past April at K4Con. Um, and I was doing a dual talk with my colleague, Anna Collard, who also works for No Before. And we were talking about how to make your training engaging, like tactics to make your training engaging and effective. Uh, that morning I woke up and felt a little odd. I'd had, you know, a couple drinks, nothing crazy. So I thought maybe I'm just really sensitive to it. Um, the day went on and I discovered I had food poisoning <laughs> from oh, no. the seafood in the hotel. <laughs> oh no. 
Oh, no. The old yeah. bad clams, you never that they always come back. That's how it is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I was dealing with that, trying to be present at the conference, <laughs> trying not to spew all over everyone at the same time. Uh, and it was down to maybe an hour before <laughs> before my speaking slot. And finally I was able to like not look like a sweaty white pasty mess <laughs> like be present and a person um but yeah luckily it cleared up that hour before and Anna and I went on the stage and it went great we convinced the uh the DJ who was playing a little bit of music between the speaking sessions to play Canned Heat by Jamiroquai <laughs> for our <laughs> intro music that's awesome uh and yeah, it, it went, it went amazing. Uh, there <laughs> at the end during the audience Q and A, we had said like one sentence about a new feature that no before had. And apparently this was like a sore topic <laughs> for the oh, people no. in the audience. Okay. <laughs> it, it was barely related to what my talk was about and it was just question after angry question, like it doesn't work right. It doesn't work this way. Why doesn't it work? And at a certain point, I just had to be like, hey, can we just keep the questions to the scope of my talk, please? This isn't a help desk session. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, a, exactly. There's an agenda with specific topics. You're going to need yes. to go to the website. Please post your comments there. <laughs> Exactly. Our tech team will be taking these on. Uh, the, the, vending, the vending machine in the lobby outside doesn't have enough Snickers bars. Exactly. Like, please exactly. address that. Yes. Exactly. That's the problem with unvetted questions like that. It, you're thinking like, really, this is, I mean, it's not a town hall per se, but it, it almost is like that sometimes at a big conference. That's part of the excitement and almost like the danger of doing something. You like never that. know what you're going to get. Yeah. 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 I mean, there were a lot of great questions, but I don't know. There was something about that new feature, which was in a beta to begin with. So it wasn't like fully fleshed out anyway. Oh, um, it's funny how they catch on to that and they just write. And then it was exactly. like, what? yeah, yeah. And that's another thing. Exactly. And then there's that's, another thing. And, you know, they started talking time, over each other and right. like, yeah, it, was. it was crazy. It, it, it builds to a riot. It's just never. It's that's never a great, like it, it, the takeaway from things like that is always, that's awesome engagement from customers that, that they care. And then two, they're asking because they obviously trust that you're going to do something about it. And that's yeah. like yeah. two pretty cool things. And, and it, heck, it beats the apathy problem. Yeah, you know, you, what you're doing is, is killing it, I guess. That, that's true. Yeah. 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 yeah I, <laughs> I mean, that. I guess you, you know, it's, uh, and I, and if we follow that, even the next, if it breaks out into a full-blown riot, you have the best customers in the world. I think that's that's exactly correct. If they are that passionate, the bar. if they are that passionate that they're willing to to take it to that level. Uh, I mean, it, speaking of rabid fan bases, uh, I want to yes. ask a Star, a Star Wars question. Um, oh, okay. I think yeah. I believe you've described yourself as Han Solo-like. Um, mm -hmm. You know, outside of intergalactic smuggling, uh, how are you similar to Han Solo? Uh, yeah. So. I thought about this a bit and I decided it was Han um, because Han was used to being a lone wolf and that's kind of how I started into adulthood. I was a lone wolf. He didn't exactly have good people skills. <laughs> he had a really rough exterior and not exactly the greatest attitude. 
Um, and he built such a strong wall between himself and others that he couldn't even he couldn't even accept love and love in return until you know the pivotal moment like I know that's right <laughs> uh so I I I felt like his arc his character arc matches how my life has gone because yeah um I didn't let people in and I even though I'm very smiley and giggly now <laughs> I wasn't always you know the happiest person, uh, a little touchy. And it was ultimately by finding community, finding something that I was passionate about um, and learning that being loved and loving is not dangerous. But, yeah. So with Han Solo and, and you, did you shoot first? <laughs> Clearly. Of course. That's right. All right. Come on. <laughs> I thought you were going to do a, a scruffy, look, scruffy looking nerf herder. Who's right. scruffy looking? That's right. Who's so, so if that's the, it, who's, uh, uh, if you're Han Solo, uh, who's Chewbacca? Mm. Yeah. Um. <laughs> your, your best bud traveling through the universe in the, in the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. I, I know that I should probably say this person is technically Leia, but I would say my husband is my Chewbacca. It's okay. He's my ride or die, you know. All right. Yeah. Kaylee, what do you have going on now? Do you have any projects um, that are upcoming that you're excited about? Yeah. So speaking of Win Shortow, I am illustrating a book with him. Uh, I'm not sure when it's going to come out, hopefully by the end of the year, but um it is a, how would I say this? He told me to be mysterious if I mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> so early in the 90s, he wrote the book Infowar um, after testifying to Congress that information warfare would be a thing. Imagine that, <laughs> 2022, <laughs> uh, even though he was laughed out of the room at that time. Um, so he wrote Infowar about that, about information warfare and how it was gonna be a thing. And so now the book that he's writing is Metawar. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's interesting. So you're illustrating it? Yes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I, um, I illustrated a book with him a few years ago called Analog Network Security. And it was basically his magnum opus. Um, it was coming out of time-based security that he had established uh, early on, and he was using real math to prove his theory about time-based security. So how do you illustrate math? Yeah, <laughs> it was very interesting. It was, um, it was probably the scariest and most difficult project I had taken on, at least at that point, it's still pretty far up there for me. Yeah. Um, he, our goal was to create a book that was unlike any other information security book out there. And he really wanted it to be steampunk themed. <laughs> I tried to convince him otherwise, but I think it turned out okay. <laughs> um, and the the thought process behind the layout of the book, there's this, each page has like 
the body of text, but then there's a sidebar on every page where we added like extra facts or wind commentary, because as you guys know, he has an awful lot to say <laughs> and a very particular way of saying it. So I wanted to preserve some of that. Um, and I put that in the side and I just wanted it to draw the reader in um, to make it a, a book about a really heady, uh, dry topic, but make you want to keep flipping through it anyway. Cool. And yeah, I think I think we were able to accomplish that. Now, whatever meta war ends up being, I don't think it's going to be quite as illustrated as that one was. Uh, I like the high but, concept, though. <clears throat> yeah. know, I like it's going to be analog network security, but steampunk. This that's is right. going to be meta war, but entirely underwater. In that's, that's right. Submarine aesthetic. <laughs> Making notes. It's, submarine it's, aesthetic. But everyone lives in the tops of trees. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Um, well, thank you, Kaylee. Uh, we're going to take a short break. And when we return, we're going to put you through Ernie's lifestyle polygraph. So everybody stay with us. You're listening to the No Password Required podcast. We cover cybersecurity and a lot of other stuff. Okay. Welcome back. Kaylee, are you ready for the lifestyle polygraph? Just so I'm you ready. know. Yes. You say you're ready, but are you ready? Because this, the lifestyle polygraph, is a series of questions. These questions we use to probe the inner workings and minds of our guests on the show. Uh, in, the, in national security circles, the lifestyle polygraph is used to determine one's eligibility for access to the nation's secrets. Uh, but here, we're going to use this so that we can access some of your greatest secrets. And so here we go. We're going to start. We're going to start here. The very difficult question. Okay. Here it is. You recently finished watching all of the Star Trek movies in order. What did you learn from that experience? Uh, I learned Mr. Spock does not like punk music. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Data, really? Yes. Data should never be underestimated in matters of Android hookups. <laughs> I mean, that you see that in my mind, that'd be like a, you would think, right? Of course. I mean, yeah. who else to speak clearly about Android to Android relationships? And finally, that my partner has a very small window of tolerance for that much Star Trek in one go. <laughs> <laughs> what was the time frame that this, are we talking like months? Or shorter no, period? like well, a week. <laughs> wow! Yeah, you're so you're talking. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're talking wow. like, like Jim Kirk and the the with the bald lady, uh, <laughs> from start one, and then all the way to you all know, the way Captain Picard traveling through time with the new guys or the yes, yeah, yeah. I didn't. The only Star Trek series that I haven't watched is Enterprise, the Scott Bakula <laughs> series. Um, so I didn't watch that movie either. There's an Enterprise movie, but yeah. Okay. Oh, so the new one, you did, did you include the new ones, like the Chris Pine ones? Um, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. Okay. Yeah. I love those movies too. Those are cool too. 
So I, yeah, I, awesome. I, I, it's going to kind of go off track here a bit, but I, I just, I, I mean, I, it just seems like they cheated, right? <laughs> what did, meaning, meaning we, we have the whole, uh, you know, William Shatner, Captain Picard, and then what do we do? Well, we're just going to make a snap our fingers and erase that whole timeline and then start all over again. Like it never happened. I mean, is that right? I mean, is that what yeah. happened? Yeah. I mean, sort of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, they had Leonard Nimoy in the first one, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so they tried to make yeah, cause it wasn't match. He, and didn't he come back in time? Wasn't that what it was? Yeah. He came back in time to visit with himself hey, and says, spo- Hey, spoiler yeah. alert too. Here. Oh yeah. Sorry. Right. Sorry. Yeah. I gotta say that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but ultimately, I think it was just a little bit of a cop out, <laughs> so they could do totally yeah. new stuff. I, I, I got to be honest with you. When I see time travel in movies, uh, unless the movie is about time travel, time travels like that's like the get out of jail free card for the uh, for plot holes. Well, you know, we time traveled. Okay, exactly. On. It was an Infinity Stone. That's that right. Do it. That's yeah. exactly correct. I I went back and watched original Wrath of Khan maybe a month oh. ago, it, it popped up on a streaming service again for free. And so we, we've been, I've been revisiting them, but not in order, Kaylee. Um, and Rathacon, I had forgot, I was watching it with middle school, two middle school children. And the, there is the scene where they put the bug in. Oh yeah, theater, yeah, yeah. And I had forgotten how intense that was because you mm-hmm. think of Star Trek as being like, everyone can consume it, but that scene is so intense. There's some really intense scenes. It's pretty freaky, yeah. 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 Not necessarily yeah. violent, but very intense. So, but it's a man. It's a heck of a good movie. But yeah, I think it's it, great. Maybe the most intense scene is when Captain Kirk is on the planet, and and, and uh, Ricardo Montalban as Khan <laughs> is telling him what his plan is, and he's getting ready to sail away. And Kirk just looks up, and got that. That's the best. That that is the one of the most intense scenes out there. Just you can just feel it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Speaking of intensity and passion, we're going on to our next question. Outside of your career, what are you most passionate about? (laughs) I am most passionate about making art. I still do that a lot. Um, I also play bass, and I've been loving doing that as well. And practicing compassion, I would say. When you say bass, like uh, stand-up bass or guitar bass? Uh, so I started like, you know, guitar bass, electric. Yeah. I recently found they have ukulele basses and it's not quite. <laughs> really? It's not. Yes. It's not quite what it sounds like. Like it's not a ukulele is tuned slightly different or the strings are in a different order. Um, so it's not an actual ukulele. It's just called that because it's really small. And it has these really thick black um, strings. They're like rubber and really floppy. But somehow this tiny bass that's probably like two and a half, three feet long, it it has the sound of an upright. It's really fascinating. I've been loving learning to play it. Is it four strings with the same fingering as a, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. It's got less frets because it's shorter, but yeah everything else is exactly the same it's kind of like me in in my new life my less stressed life i have less frets i don't fret (laughs) about anything (laughs) it's my dad joke (laughs) for the day yeah that's all (laughs) 
do you play do you play just on your own do you play with tracks or do you play with friends how, how do you like to um to enjoy enjoy music uh my um my husband and i play a lot of music together and we're trying to make a um quote unquote family band uh we don't have kids or anything but we have best friends who uh play music and we've been trying to convince them to join our family band oh, what really great. what i find helps get yourself a, a van or an old school bus <laughs> yes the partridge it works for the partridge family i mean i can't that's you right know, so that's the i've only always reason. wanted a vw but uh vw bus so it's perfect perfect yeah my parents owned one, I think, for one year where they were they were going from New Jersey to Mississippi and they lived there for a year and they went back and they only owned it for one year of their long lives. And yet they talk about it as if it was something that they owned for 30 years. This, <laughs> it just impacted. Yeah. This van. Fans. And there are pictures of it around the house. Like, like it was they owned it for 11 months. I love it. It's something about that vehicle that just captured the imagination. And I, and to this generations. Day, I, I would, I would trade my honda odyssey for one in a heartbeat i would <laughs> and, yeah. and you know what's it's it's sad jack what's really sad is the functionality of the odyssey is similar to that of of that vw van <laughs> but it, you're right it still doesn't have the same the best use of, of interior space available yeah it's yeah it, i'm a well-known van kaylee this is to you to me talking about minivans is to you playing the bass so just oh, I give see. you a sense of that's, that's an where, interesting, where that's well, an listen, interesting thing. Hey, listen, the minivan, it's like driving around in your living room. It's just, you know, hop I don't on even that want couch. to get where I'm going. I'm so comfortable. That's right. That's right. Like you just, you just go out to your, your driveway and sit in it sometimes, you know, Hey, all right. There's an, is there another question? There are, there are. There's, off there's, yeah. 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 This van content or anything. Hey, listen, wait, hey, listen, you gotta, you have to take Which time is to your talk favorite about van of the following vans. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> Is it the Econo line? The Toyota suit? No. Uh, right. This is what I was waiting for this whole time was van questions. Van talk. So, yeah. That, that's going to be a whole spinoff, a whole series, a whole new series, van talk. Okay. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, uh, here we are. How do you define art? How do you define art? Um, I could be really like, pretentious artists and say art is undefinable oh, excellent uh, <laughs> it's perfect it's wonderful <laughs> but in in my opinion what i think art is um art evokes feeling and conveys these heady it, it, well it has the potential to convey these heady ideas or to point out social injustice or philosophical issues anything like that and just kind of offer it up for the viewer to interpret however they want. It's the evocation of it that I think really makes something art. Does it evoke a feeling? Even if the feeling is disgust, you know, it still evoked something. As a classically trained artist, like if you encounter, you know, like stuff that maybe isn't as well done, do you pick up on it? You think more, because I get, as somebody who's not classically trained, I can sometimes tell what's good and what's not, but you have extra levels, obviously, of training. Can you still enjoy like, you know, a good ad in a magazine or, you know, something that's more popular? Or do you feel like you're, you know, like once you've tasted the fine wines, you can't go back to Bud Light? Like, <laughs> can you still, how does that impact 
you're you're making your way through the world of art. Yeah, it it definitely has an impact. I'd like to say that it didn't, but it doesn't. But it does for sure. I can very much tell when someone is a beginner artist or a student artist who thinks very highly of themselves, <laughs> as many never art happens. students do. Exactly, you know? that never happens. <laughs> yeah, um, I can tell. There's just something about the quality of lines and the subject matter and the attitude that make it very obvious. Um, yeah, I, I would say I can tell, but it doesn't it doesn't stop me from enjoying regular everyday things. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of ads and commercials in general, but yeah, I, I know what you're saying. It, it definitely doesn't hurt. And art, being an artist, you can take inspiration from anywhere. And so those things are also just fuel for inspiration. And now on the subject of art and artists, we have a two-part question. Ready. This is from one of, one of the 20th century's greatest artists. Is Bob Ross an artist? And are you the Bob Ross of cybersecurity? Wow. Okay. So I believe Bob Ross is absolutely an artist. I think it's incredible that he was able to paint so many landscapes in so many different ways um, so quickly as well. A lot of that stuff he just put on the canvas, even when he was creating the, um, the thing, the, the sample painting that he was going to go off of before the episode, it was still things that he were, he had taken in from observing and loving nature and was able to artistically put that onto the canvas just because he did it so often and so many repetitions of some of the same paintings. I don't think that that matters. I mean, some of the great artists, like, um, of course they all leave my brain, like Monet, he would paint the same thing, the same exact scene over and over and over and over again. Uh, all artists do that. People who can't paint hands, paint hands until they can paint hands. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think he was absolutely an artist. Yeah, and that happy little tree right over there, put a little exactly. log cabin over there. Exactly. Yeah. We're going to use the fan brush. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember doing that. I can remember you just, you'd be just scrolling through the channels and then all of a sudden there he would be, all right, hey, and we're going to go over here and there. Nice, lovely little, lovely little mountain over here. We'll use the edge of that paint roller right on there. And, yeah. And, 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 and then next thing you know, 30 minutes have gone by and you, you just you just feel so much better yeah you know, you, you're, you're are, like hypnotized that's into right. this yeah are you still painting Kaylee and what if so what kind of what kind of things are you painting yeah I have in the last couple of years I've switched to largely digital painting cool. just for the ease of having stuff because oil painting is a really intensive process you have to have the right um filtration or airflow, ventilation, that's the word I'm looking for. You have to have the right ventilation because the paint thinner is really like, <laughs> if you're in a closed room, you'll start feeling kind of loopy. Is it, that's, <laughs> really? that's why that's why I used to like making plastic models, but the glue, right? Yes, exactly, yes. 
<laughs> cheaper than uh, going to the bar. You know? That's right. Exactly. And you get something out of it. Aside from, <laughs> you know, aside from some chicken wings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I do a lot of digital painting now. Uh, a lot of people say they can't tell the difference when oh. I tell them I did it digitally. They're like, how did you make that happen? Um, but yeah. Is this software, do you have like a, it's like a painting software and then that simulates brush brushes or is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I, I use my iPad and the app procreate most of the time. Cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it, I'm going to ask this question because, you know, you're, you're talking about digital art and we can't have a uh, discussion unless we bring up some sort of crypto like thing. And so NFTs, <laughs> Uh, how does that, I mean, you, you're probably like, just because I, I have a, I do digital art doesn't mean I, I have uh, <laughs> NFTs on the brain, but I mean, is that something, because uh, I still don't understand that. <laughs> I don't know if anyone truly understands it. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to know. Good, good. I guess I'm in good. I feel like, I feel like it's a little bit like quantum physics. If you say you fully understand it. Mm, do you really yeah <laughs> i've i've in passing considered trying it because you know free money right <laughs> like, yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> but yeah i i haven't pursued anything like that yeah like i i don't know either it's one of those things I'm like, I, gee maybe i'll just create an nft of this powerpoint presentation i did for the office <laughs> who knows yeah, I mean, look, I mean, you know, Pablo's on the back of his screen. He's got this grand PowerPoint slide. You turn that into an NFT. Next thing you know, boom, boom. Well, Pablo's a millionaire and off he goes. Um, yeah, so, but it can uh, happen. It, it, exactly. Who knows? <laughs> All right. Here we are at our fifth and final question. Earlier, early in our discussions, you met, you mentioned that you went to a, quote, bougie university. What is the most bougie thing that you became involved with that really resonated with you? Uh, resonated positively? We'll just leave it at resonated. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the, the first thing that comes to mind, the first few days that we were there were orientation, freshman orientation. And we were divided into little groups based on what we thought we might major in. Looking back, I think I also got a bougier <laughs> group than others because art. <laughs> but um, there was this day in particular, we were going to a garden party at the president's house. And that's already pretty bougie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Most people, most people just go to a party, let alone a garden party. Right. And then at the president's house, forget it. I know. Um, so on the way there, we were riding with, I can't remember what they called them, but they were basically uh, juniors or seniors that were assigned to these groups to kind of mentor the new freshmen. So I was kind of just sitting and witnessing this conversation driving in this woman's car on the way to this garden party and the topic of conversation was um how this person this woman's brother-in-law started putting 
gloves at gas station tanks so that no one had to touch the pump. <laughs> and she didn't understand how anyone ever pumped gas with their bare hands. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. That just reminded me <laughs> reminded of this of the Seinfeld uh, where George is eating the candy bar with the how how do you eat it with your hands? <laughs> how do you pump the gas with your hands? Exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. Exactly. That's, no, yeah. I use, use the power of my mind to move it. That's how we do it these down. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that was like day two or three. And I was like, oh, no, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> this isn't a thing that people should be talking about. This no, isn't a topic. I was raised on a farm. <laughs> it's a, if, you, if you could only know where these hands have been. <laughs> exactly. You almost just want to like, yeah, like what's the most ridiculous thing that you could say next? You should exactly have said that. Yeah. I've given birth to a live calf, you know? <laughs> But you have to put your hand on their shoulder when you do that. Elbow deep. Reach over and pat them on the shoulder. Well, your hair. There's a lot of place. You got something to hold on. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Kaylee, thank you for joining us. That brings us to the end of uh, of our conversation. Um, That said, uh, if our listeners would like to connect with you, how can they do that? You can find me on LinkedIn, easy search. Uh, I'm also on Twitter, underscore K-M-E-L-T, K-Melt. And if anyone is interested in the art I do, I also have an Instagram that is K-Melt, K-M-E-L-T dot art. All right. Well, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. Okay, they should do... uh... KB4 Con should do a battle of bands. Like, <laughs> yes. Like I said, after, you know, I, you could probably get like three or four bands to play like a song or two. Yeah, be totally. Pretty, be pretty cool. You've already got the event space. Just like bring the amps. You could do something. Yeah. yeah. There's this running joke in my division. There's so many people in the SAC division who are musicians, but there's an odd number of bassists so we would have this band with like four or five bassists that's awesome listen if you could that's something right there the low ends or yeah. The, yeah, yeah. The, bottom, the bottom ends or something you gotta come up with. rumble <laughs> could be the name of the band that's, exactly. awesome. that's awesome what is that, it it's because i well, whatever that's cool that's that's like an interesting like, statistical project to figure out why bassists exactly. are attracted to that life or that life attracts bassist or whatever that's yeah on the other hand, it's good to know for local bands they have a place they can go get bassists. If that's true, <laughs> awesome to, to fill put the put it on gap. Craigslist. Yeah, <laughs> Craigslist. Nice. Thank you, Kaylee. <laughs> All right, that brings us to the end of the program. Thank you for joining us. First and foremost, I have to thank my co-hosts Jack Clabby and Pablo Torres. I have to say thank you to our guest Kaylee Melton. She's an artist who rose up through adversity to become one of the top players in the cybersecurity field. Remember, rate, review, and subscribe to No Password Required Podcast. You can find us on social media at No Password Pod and send your comments and questions to info at nopasswordpodcast.com. And if you'd like some show swag, just ask and we'll hook you up. I'm Ernie Ferraresso. Thank you for listening and we'll talk again soon. Thank you for listening to the No Password Required podcast. The show is produced by Cyber Florida. 
A special thanks goes out to our friends at Carlton Fields and Second Watch. If you would like to learn more about the show, visit our website at cyberflorida.org slash pod. And if you still need more show content, check out our social media at NoPasswordPod.